Today, we speak with homeopath Dr. Adil Chimtanawala, who is a fourth-generation homeopath. Both of his parents are homeopaths as well as his gorgeous wife. Dr. Adil specializes in homeopathic cardiology and he's delivered lectures on homeopathy in cardiology at national and international seminars and symposias in California, Kuala Lumpur, Australia, Morocco, and many more places around the world. He's also the author of 10 textbooks of homeopathy and be sure to check out his hugely popular YouTube channel. For those of you who speak English, he does have subtitles to his Hindi videos, so you can still benefit from his expertise. He has over 75,000 subscribers and over 800 videos, so there is a wealth of information. It was so awesome to see his passion for homeopathy shine through in our interview today. And even after all these years of practicing, that he is still so excited about homeopathy. You're also going to hear some amazing stories of some of the most incredible cures in some of the most critically ill clients. And if you didn't think homeopathy was amazing before, you certainly will after this episode. So enjoy. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today we speak with homeopath Dr. Adil Chamtanawala. That is the funnest surname ever. <laughs> welcome, yeah. Adil. Thank you so much, Eugene. It's indeed a great time to be with you. And I hope I can share some insights about what our work is we are doing in homeopathy at, in India. And luckily in Australia, uh, 2015 to 2016, we have got lots of Australian students coming over here and I've been teaching Australians and it's fun to work with people. Yeah, well, actually, well I'm crazy about homeopathy. Absolutely. And I know you've been over in the East Coast of Australia to teach there. You are going to have to come to Perth once all this COVID craziness is done. I'm going to make sure that I get you and your gorgeous wife over here. <laughs> sure, sure. Definitely. Excellent. Now, I am so jealous. You have got 75,000 people on your YouTube channel. I only have 300. So you are definitely doing something right. <laughs> can, you, can you tell us how did you first discover homeopathy? Well, I'm the fourth generation homeopath in my family. So homeopathy in our family started way back in 1912. Wow. The first clinic my great-grandfather inaugurated, I mean, was sad. And uh, <clears throat> at that time, uh, the rule of Nagpur, I mean, now the place where we live is Nagpur. And uh, Nagpur had a kingdom. There were small kingdoms in India. So this was before independence, much before independence. So the ruler of Nagpur uh, somehow had got tuberculosis. Uh, not he, but his children. And my great-grandfather happened to treat two of his children, one with pulsatilla, another with, I don't know which uh, drug. It took about three to four months and it was a marked improvement. Now, how my grandfather, great-grandfather learned homeopathy is a totally different story. But since then, rulers said, why don't you practice homeopathy? I mean, what's stopping you? So then the seeds were sown and now we are full-fledged tree with lots and lots of branches and it's been an amazing journey but then over time we have believed that like in, even my father and myself we come from modern medicine and once you have a background of modern medicine it becomes much more clear applying the philosophy of homeopathy in modern medicine and exactly defining the scope and limitations of a particular therapy in your patient not only that researches should be conducted on a proper level acceptable level, scientific level, evidence-based homeopathy. So I firmly believe in evidence-based homeopathy. 
and over a period of say 20, now it's been 22 years now. So 22 years, every single year we have been proving a drug. There's a uh, concept of drug proving in homeopathy for people who don't know about homeopathy. That is, we take a drug and give it to healthy human beings and whatever the reaction the human being uh, has after taking the drug is diligently recorded and that is called as a proving. And then we use those same symptoms in a diseased person. So till now, we have finished about 46 remedies. And uh, likewise, a lot of studies have been done. I was uh, doing my MBBS, that is uh, my allopathic course. And uh, that time, okay, although my parents were homeopathic, my mother's a homeopathic gynecologist and obstetrician. And I used to see her using lycopodium to correct the fetal lie. And I used to literally laugh at her. I said, how is it, how is it possible at that time? Uh, how is it possible that sugar pills can correct the lie of the baby and all? Like, uh, but that was routine for her. Like the pains did not come for two or three doses of pulsatla or colophyla and the baby used to be born. So it was an absolutely routine thing for us uh, to see that thing. But I had never experienced so when I went into my uh, uh, medical practice, uh, not medical medical practice, my medical school, mm-hmm. and uh, then I was in the, the Department of Gynecology and Obstetrics. So government college means huge amount of patients. Like every uh, three minutes or five minutes, we are having a labor. People wow. are it's full. It's full. <laughs> and there are so many complications. People here are so poor. So we did, I started deciding using homeopathy there. They took permission and started. And the things became so easy for them. At that time, I saluted my mom and I said, you can, you can prevent so many LSCS, like hysterectomies were prevented, LSCS in our hospital. I never, I used to tell her, please do, at least do one surgery. And she said, no, there's no need with homeopathy. Wow. So, so, so what is LSCS? LSCS, uh, lower section, cesarean section. Ah, oh, okay. Gotcha. So C-sections were not done because there were maximum normal deliveries, normal labors in our, uh, this, and uh, there was no need with homeopathy. But so that that was the thing. And my, plus, my father has uh, been practicing uh, homeopathy in oncology, cancers. So both your results. parents are homeopaths. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my wife, uh, she's a pediatrician, homeopathic pediatrician, and I'm a homeopathic cardiology. Amazing. So, so what happened was, uh, so I had this in mind, but I always wanted to do cardiology. Like from the very beginning, I had to be a cardi. I wanted to be a cardiologist. So anyway, I entered cardiology when, and my first, first year of my uh, housemanship, we had a very interesting case. It was an ICU, so I was in charge of the ICU. And uh, a lady, around age around 48 years, and her son, both of them were rushed into an emergency. And they were having palpitations and severe breathlessness. And both of them incidentally had a heart rate of 260 to 280 beats per minute. So they were having atrial fibrillation. Both of Both them. Of them. Both of that's them. strange. Yeah. So that's strange. And it started with the mom. So mom was originally a case of rheumatic heart disease with mitral stenosis. And she developed atrial fibrillation. The son was not. Son had a low atrial fibrillation. This is the first attack in his life. Now, uh, initially, since I was in the medical college, obviously, uh, we had to give uh, drugs and all. And they were extremely poor. Extremely poor means very poor. Day one passed. No results. They were given IV drips. They were given shocks. And then we were planning something uh, to do with, I mean, uh, some intervention we were planning. But then there was no money. Even in medical college, you require some amount of money in India. There's no insurance. There's nothing for uh, Indians here. Wow. Then at that time, I said, why not discuss? See, I was not that much into homeopathy. 
uh, at that time. I only ever had a background of homeopathy, but I, I did not know homeopathy myself. So you were still purely so, medical doctor at that stage. Yeah. Wow. So so I went to my dad, and uh, every Saturday we have a clinical meeting. So we discuss cases. So at that time I, I put these two cases. Can homeopathy do something? And if something can be done, then we should do it. So then I gave him gave them the entire history. So my dad said, uh, "What are your observations?" I said, "What are my observations?" No, no. What are, what did you observe? I said. I told you the BP, the pulse. I said, I, mean, he said, I don't want the BP and pulse and all these parameters there on paper. The machine has observed that. ECG, EKG, the machine has observed. What have you observed? I said, uh, I only observed that uh, this uh, mother, she's extremely fearful. Said, that is the observation I wanted. I said, okay, then so, so what? So give her aconite. I said, okay. How about the son? I told him the same thing. I said, what have you observed in the son? Is he a calm person? I said, no, I Nothing, nothing, no, not, not in calm, not even agitated. He was, he's okay, but he has a very fast heart rate and he's having palpitations. Okay. How old is he? He's uh, around uh, 20 years old. And did you see his teeth? I said, uh, yeah, there were stains of tobacco. Give him tobacco. I said, but they both have got the same thing, atrial fibrillation. Yes. But one will receive tobacco and the other will receive aconite. Believe me, Eugene, it was, I mean, I mean, a miracle that it took us only about half an hour and both heart rates were settled. So we have got evidence base at that at that time. And this was given in the presence of the entire team. Like all the other wow. cardiologists were there. And they could actually see the power of homeopathy. And in spite of, there were 48 hours had passed, nothing was happening in spite of the best medical center because we were, we were working in a tertiary medical center. Very, very well-equipped allopathic cardiac hospital and no results. And only in half an hour, two Patients with the same disease responding to two different drugs given on totally two different reasons. One was state of disposition that was restlessness and fearfulness of that mother. And this was a long-term tobacco chewer in 20 years old male. And both were perfect. That's they were amazing. discharged. And that was the foundation that no, I have to practice homeopathy now. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a calling for me to practice homeopathy. After that, I took my, I did my, completed my uh, DNA medicine, that is MD in homeopathy. Sorry, MD in uh, allopathy. I shifted on to, I did my BHMS, which is a separate degree, like MBBS. Mm. Then I did MD in homeopathy and PhD in homeopathy. Wow. I mean, I completely believe you because, you know, I have not had the privilege of treating a case like that. But, you know, I will never forget just a couple of weeks ago, my son had a fever and he was completely delirious. He said to me, mommy, who are those people behind you? And he was speaking in tongues. I mean, my husband and I were freaking out. One dose of Belladonna 200C in under 30 seconds. And he was like, oh, hi, mommy. What are you doing here? And my husband was there to observe it. So I know like it's just absolutely unbelievable ideal. But that is a cool story. I want to know, know from you, though. What is it about the human heart that fascinates you so much? How did you come to decide that cardiology is your passion? Uh, yeah, from the very, very, very beginning, when I entered medical school, it was not cardiology. It was basically intensive patients, in, uh, patients who really needed medical care. So that fascinated me. So half of the time I was in the ICU. I did not, in my first year also, after the college was over, I used to go into the ICU and just sit, just <laughs> observe, was observing what they did. And then... Uh, no one used to let me touch anyone, any, anyone or anything. You don't, you're on this just first year, second year. So, but then the fascination was always there. What happens to a person? Uh, how do you save a life? Because 
from the very beginning, my father has taught me the first duty of a doctor is to save a life. If you have saved a life, your entire degree is has not gone in vain. Just one life is enough. Mm-hmm. So that was always there with me. Then I found out India is the world leader, unfortunately, in ischemic heart disease. Second, it's a world leader in diabetes, in hypertension. And unfortunately, India and Indians abroad, we have got these heart disease below 40 years of age. So young Indians suffer from these metabolic problems is what we call syndrome X to a very large extent. And I said, if something has to be done, I need to stop this epidemic. I need to do something with the, because had allopathy an answer, this would not have been the state of my country. So I need to do focus something and bring in a revolution or something in from different stream and why not homeopathy? So that was reason. And then this case happened. Hmm. Uh, in my uh, housemanship. And then it was confirmed that I have to do cardiology only. Amazing. So then I went to my dad and asked him, what do you think about specialization? Because homeopathy itself is a specialization. So why do you need to do a sub-specialization like only in cardiology? I said, no, no one has done this, but I want to do. Then he said, okay, if you want to do, then you have to do it diligently. Then you'll not take up cases of migraine. You're not going to take up cases of asthma. or You're not going to take cases of skin. If you have focus on cardiology, different streams of cardiology, different branches and sub-branches of cardiology and evolve it to an extent that is applicable by a common man in the grossest of grossest pathological cardiac cases. And this dream really came true now in COVID, particularly because where COVID is basically not a respiratory disease. It's a disease of the blood. It's a disease of cardiovascular system. It's a disease where the hemoglobin is breaking, broken down by the virus. The hemo, heme and the globin breaks down. The heme uh, starts collecting. That's why you've got this uh, uh, blockages all over. And that's why numerous cases of strokes or uh, anginas and uh, coronary arteries. Yeah. And so many patients. No, myocarditis is separate. It's a viral fever. That's a different thing. But we are getting, got, uh, getting lots and lots of people suffering from stroke and uh, ischemic heart disease. Fresh clots, myocardial infarctions, and uh, patients are gone. Young people, old people. And the way homeopathy has helped these people, I mean, it's a blessing. So, like, uh, for all these years, we have been working. We're working on a lower pace, but this epidemic has really given us a chance to give homeopathy and see its effects and appreciate and salute the master Hanuman. That this Hanuman day was dedicated to uh, the master because because of his homeopathy, we could save so many lives and that too with so much, so meager amount of money, very less hospitalization, very less uh, allopathic or any other system of medicine, drugging mm-hmm. and giving symptomatic relief in a very fast and a easy method. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, what more do we want in health? Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. It feels, you know, we've been celebrating Homeopathy Awareness Week from the 10th to the 16th of April every year for I don't know how many years, but it really feels like this year it had ramped up and I was seeing stuff everywhere. I mean, I had a daily podcast during that time and so many other homeopaths were doing amazing things this year to really celebrate Homeopathy Awareness Week because I feel we all have got a renewed respect for homeopathy after COVID and how homeopathy was really able. I mean, homeopathy through the 
couple of past, you know past two centuries have really shined during pandemics. So this has been so good. Quick question, Adil. Um, I think I heard that in India, the homeopaths weren't allowed to treat COVID cases initially, but then after that, they were saying, yes, please do, because they were overrun with cases. Yeah. And then so the homeopaths in India was shining. So what happened was uh, initially uh, when the, in 2020, when the epidemic, uh, when the pandemic uh, set in with India, uh, there was a lockdown and people did not know. So before that, I would want to say one thing. Somewhere in February, one of my uh, patient's daughter, she was studying in Wuhan. She is doing MBBS in Wuhan, in one of the medical universities. And uh, when this news came up in uh, early Jan that there's a, an epidemic going on, I somehow had a hunch that it may spread to other places. So I asked uh, this girl that uh, give me some first-hand information about this virus. I don't know anything about this virus and what is actually happening there. At that time, uh, it was, I mean, the epidemic was, the pandemic was yet to be declared. Only in China and those areas, uh, it was there. So she told me everything. And then, so I made a, I uploaded a video on YouTube. What is, suppose if a case comes to us, what a homeopath can do, or how, how can a homeopath approach such a case? So I gave the remedies like Jalsimium, how it may act, or it may, uh, like Justitia, and other remedies, what probable remedies come for and all. So the limited amount of information that time we had. We had a 30,000, uh, I mean, first day it was 30,000 views were there and lots of comments. And by the end of the week, the video was taken down. Wow. Are you and serious? And I noticed that uh, you are violating our community norms. <gasps> no. This is misinformation. <gasps> there was, I did not say no things. How would a homeowner approach? Suppose if he gets a case. Oh, that's insane. So let's just like recap this. So you did this video on YouTube. It got 30,000 views. And by the end of that week, it got taken down for supposedly violating yeah. the code of conduct. And uh, I said, what, what to do? I mean, like, uh, I, I had no clue. What did I violate? I mean, I did not say, I in the very in the first sentence I uttered, I have not treated or seen a single case, but it's a hypothesis. See, a hypothesis you can put, right? Yes. This is freedom of speech. We are not misleading, but then it was taken down. Freedom so, of speech as long as you don't speak the truth. <laughs> yeah, but then, uh, and after some time, again, I posted a video which was again taken down. And they said, if you do this, then we'll take off your channel. Ah, oh, you kidding. So then I did not, uh, I mean, like, uh, I did not know what to do. Then I put a small clip on Facebook. They also took it out. No, far out. Well, so, yeah, no, well, I mean, that's uh, well, like so loud that, and clear. That was over two years ago now, hey? So that yeah. was like right at the very, before it even had kicked off. So what happened then, what happened was uh, like initially uh, people were setting up, people did not know about this uh, virus. So the allopaths took lead, et cetera. And then everything was established. But then the Ayush ministry, that is a combination, the alternative system, uh, ministry of alternative medicines, yeah. Ayurvedi, uh, yoga, uh, homeopathy, uh, Yunani. It's a set of uh, alternative yeah. system. So they took a stand. And luckily, the Central Council of Homeopathy, they proposed arsenic alb as one of the preventives in homeopathy mm-hmm. uh, for this uh, virus. Yeah. And the whole country had purchased arsenic alb. Yeah. As like a homeopathic because, immunization. Yeah. Unfortunately, they had to take off the word immunization. And because there were no studies done, there was yeah. no proof. They had no see. So this uh, entire thing went, but still, during that one month or two months' time, Whole India, every single household had purchased arsenic. 
converting it. Yeah. But then slowly and steadily by uh, August or September, complications started coming up. First wave, we did not see many complications. First wave, okay, we had lots of cases, but then there were flu cases. And then, so first wave went away. Then in between came the vaccinations, vaccinations with their side effects. Again, we are not able to, we are not supposed to speak about those side effects of vaccinations. Like, uh, no, I'm not talking about fever and cough and cold and all these things. We can talk about the side effects of any other medication. We can talk about the side effects of uh, antibiotics or hypertensives or anything else, but not side effects of vaccinations, apparently. So so, uh, anyway, so that came. And this time we realized, second day we realized that modern medicine was not working at all. That was the time when homeopaths were actually invited, please do something. Not only homeopaths, people from every other path were invited, do something. Because people were dying because of lack of oxygen in, in the India. We did not have oxygen cylinders in our hospitals. Every single hospital bed was full. Second, and uh, the second wave, people were afflicted by mucormycosis, by candidiasis, because of using a lot of steroids and uh, uh, other. Uh, this. So there was a rampant uh, demand for some alternate medicine. That was time when really the province of uh, homeopathy shone, and luckily, Many, many homeopaths I know who are diligently working in the system had a chance and they did their best in their own method or methodology to treat patients, to heal patients. Then it became a good synchrony between allopaths and homeopaths. Allopathic ICCUs, homeopaths also treating, allopaths giving the basic support like uh, life support like uh, IV saline and all those things and the patient getting better. So this came up. So we have a homeopathic hospital. And we also applied that I want to treat. I said, they said, no, if you can treat by, because I have an MBBS degree, or allopathy all day. You can treat by allopathy. I said, I don't want to treat by allopathy. I want to treat in my hospital with homeopathy. But you have to give me a chance because they were designated uh, uh, hospitals. I mean, uh, to treat COVID. You, mm-hmm. you just cannot treat any COVID patient in uh-huh. any hospital. Uh-huh. So you have to take the permission from government. Can I treat with homeopathy? Wow. So, but then, okay. We could show it in... Uh, are different areas and lots and lots of people were really benefited and I'm thankful that this system is there and lots of new rubrics came up. We came to know about those drugs which we have never used or we had used very little in our life like Asperosperma. I had made a video of Asperosperma about in 2017 because it is a drug which I only used, I mean very few people used only I in I heard of it. Can you say it again? Asperosperma. Okay. Querbaco. Don't know that it one. It is a fantastic remedy. It increases your SpO2. The oxygen, uh, if your oxygen is, uh, let's say, less than 93%, it comes up. Can you spell it for me? Aspido. A-S-P-I-D-O. Uh-huh. S-P-E-R-M-A. Okay, thanks. That's some research for afterwards. <laughs> Please do so. so uh, it was a drug which has saved so many lives. Like people are on, we could take out patients on from ventilator and uh, they could breathe properly. The oxygen requirements decreased. Then a drug called antimony arse. I know that one. I just quickly want to say as well, when you say drug, you mean homeopathic remedy. Hey, homeopathic so the homeopathic remedy. remedi- yeah. remedi- yeah, I'll just say yeah. for the Western medicine, uh, Western yeah. listening, they probably wouldn't know that terminology that often the homeopathic remedies can be called drugs as well. But you you are meaning the homeopathic remedy, aspirosperma, yeah. and uh, antimonium arsenicum as well. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> drugs like antimony arsenicum, antimony tart, uh, tartaricum. So these were fantastic remedies because after the patient has come out of the ventilator, you have got a lot of fibrosis, pulmonary fibrosis, the lungs shrink. Now, what do you do with that, with those patients? Lobelia, lobelia inflata is a fantastic remedy. Coca, all these remedies have helped to rehabilitate all these patients 
to go home, live their normal life, and we could see changes in CT scans, MRIs. Oh, that's amazing. So there was evidence-based homeopathy at work in this pandemic, particularly in the last second wave in India, which we had uh, suffered. I mean, if you've got a CT scan to confirm that, you can't really argue with that. Just quickly exactly. for our listeners, Lobelia is a beautiful little blue flower. It's a remedy that's really good for the lungs. And the other one that Adil was saying is coca, which is made from the coca leaf, which obviously, you know, they they chew the leaves when they go climb high altitude mountains. And so we have the remedy that's made from that that's good for oxygenating the lungs. So Adil, what, what sort of scope does homeopathy have when it comes to cardiac disorders? I mean, a lot of people would think, oh, you know, cardiac issues. Oh, no, that's too far gone you can't help with homeopathy. But what would you say is the scope of homeopathy when it comes to treating cardiac well, disorders? So when I started my practice in homeopathy, so my as my uh, parents had told me that you are going to practice only homeopathy cardiology, now nothing else. So I started my clinic and uh, I used to wait for patients. And cardiac patients, do uh, they did come, but problem was they came for keloids. No, doctor, don't treat for cardiology. A, cardiolo- a cardiolo- cardiologist is taking care of a heart. You only treat this keloids. I said, I'm not, I want to treat your cardiac <laughs> case. I want to treat your high blood pressure. I want to treat your diabetes. I want to treat uh, uh, your clots. No, 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 don't do that. I want to treat your valves. No. <laughs> so uh, there was a period of seven months wherein I used to refuse patients. I said, no, if you want to treat asthma, then go to my, uh, go to, go somewhere else. But Colleague. So then what happened was one fine day, a gentleman aged around uh, 72, he came to me and uh, he said, doctor, I read the board, homeopathy cardiology. He said, yeah, this is a angiogram and uh, I want to get myself treated. I said, really for cardiology? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. The problem was there are no books. There's no literature for homeopathy cardiology. So it was new. I had to reinvent things and, I mean, uh, take it forward. So I said, okay. So it was a case, settled case, a triple vessel disease. I mean, all the three vessels were blocked. He was a hypertensive. And this gentleman was 72. And he did not want to undergo a bypass surgery. I said, fine, I'll try. I'll, this is my first case. Since it was my first case, I was, uh, I could not have, the, I could not muster the courage to charge him. Because I was more, uh, I mean, obliged. <laughs> Oh, he can, yeah, exactly. Fit. We learn so much no, from our no clients. Doctor. Be professional. Please take your charges and treat me properly as it should be. So we took the entire history and this uh, constitutional remedy was Aurometallica. So constitutional medicine, we started with aura, because he did not have any symptoms as such. And he was already allopathic drugs like aspirin and uh, cholesterol reducing agents and all those things. So he did not have symptoms, but he did not want to undergo bypass surgery. He was having some chest discomfort, but then that was uh, maintained. So I started giving auto without any hopes because I said, just try and see first month, second month, but the first month he started feeling better. I said, okay, so this, something is positive. <laughs> Heading in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, second month, I increased the, I increased the potency uh, to uh, started with 200 uh, C. Then we started giving one M potency and he came uh, at 9 PM. He, was the last patient came. Doctor, I need to see you. See this. I took off his shirt. I said, what is this? He got extensive tinea. What is this? This fungal infection has never occurred. It has only occurred when I was in uh, college days. For all these 50, 70 years of my life, 60 years of my life, this has never come. 
I took that dose and this has come. I want to get treated. I said, sir, please bear with me. You did not give me this history. He had forgotten. So in my case taking, there was no mention. But once it came up, he remembered that he got, I said, this is Herring's laws of cure. Yeah. I am heading in the right direction. We were monitoring his blood pressure. And that was the first time in the, all these days after orometallicum, the BP had come to very near normal. It was 110 by 64, 68. Wow. So we had to stop his antihypertensive. Absolutely amazing. I quickly want to mention that to our listeners as well. So what Adil is saying here, like uh, Herring's Law of Cure says that it will heal from the most recent complaint to the oldest complaint. So what he's saying is this patient of his had this rash on his body when he was, what, about 20 years old, and he's never had it since. But now at age 70, when he started taking the Oromuriaticum, this rash came back for the first time in 50 years, which is actually a sign for us that it's the correct remedy because it is bringing up uh, symptoms that he used to have ages ago and was probably treated with allopathic medicine and suppressed. And now his body was able to bring it up and heal it. So that's an incredible response. Sorry, please continue. So then we, he was on placebo because uh, Aromatalicum had really done, had done his job and he was really well. And slowly and steadily, they started decreasing his allopathic drugs. We stopped his uh, anti-cholesterol drugs because his diet and all were very well controlled, pure vegetarian diet. So it did not matter. <clears throat> so only drug which was left was the blood thinning agent, that is aspirin. We can't legally stop that. Okay. Then uh, about eight months had passed and till now, and then he came back, he and his son came. So when his son entered my clinic, I stood up. This son, I mean, his son happened to be the professor of medicine, allopathic professor of medicine, my professor. Of medicine. No. And deadly against homeopathy. Oh. Both of them, hi Adil. So you have left allopathy and practicing homeopathy. I said, sir, yes. Uh, like, no one uh, <laughs> believed that I could practice homeopathy. I said, yeah, this is my calling and uh, I'm practicing. So now he himself is a cardiologist, this gentleman. No. And this uh, father of his, he did not tell me ever once that his son uh, was mighty. He knew all along. <laughs> you have some great stories, Adil. That, that is so, so good. <laughs> then they took, uh, gave him, uh, then he gave, they showed me his recent angiogram report. And the plaques had reduced by 50% less. I mean, 50%, all the three arteries, 50, 50, 50% plaques had reduced. Then the first time that sir said, I mean, the professor how did, how is it possible? What is the mechanism behind this? I said, come and learn homeopathy, sir. And I'll tell you everything about the cancer. That was the day and today. I had never to look back. Uh. I never regret the decision of, taking homeopathy cardiology as a separate branch of homeopathy. That, that is, I feel like I need to applaud. That was just, and you're a great storyteller as well, by the way. That was amazing. And I, I believe you've written 11 books now on yeah. uh, homeopathic cardiology as well. So you literally are the man that's written the textbooks on, you know, how to use homeopathy with cardiology. So let us discuss the scope in short. Mm -hmm. the, there are about seven to eight disease disorders in cardiology. The first and foremost is hypertension and hypertensive heart disease. And I've been telling you, it is a fantastic, homeopathy is a fantastic method of controlling high blood pressure, not only high blood pressure, but the complications of hypertension, like cardiomyopathy, hypertensive heart disease, like the elongation of the heart, uh, the renal hypertension, that is because of the kidney, chronic kidney disease, like so many patients, we can, with homeopathy, we can we take them off dialysis. What's wrong? We can prevent transplants. What's wrong with that? So that's one area. Hypertension control. I think if you only do this, we have really won the race. 
Second is ischemic heart disease, angina pectoris, and the blockages in the heart. Acute myocardial infarction does not respond to homeopathy because that's a medical emergency that requires thrombolysis, streptokinase, etc. So that, leaving that part, we can actually treat coronary artery disease. And you'll be amazed, there are about 360 to 400 remedies, each acting different way, different sorts of angina pectoris, the classical angina pectoris. And nowadays, what has happened is diabetics. Diabetics are a unique set of patients because they don't present the classical angina pectoris of chest pain. The classical angina is chest discomfort radiating to the left side to the uh, fingers. This is classic, along with a little bit of sweating. But the non-classical present or angina variants is pain in the left jaw, pain in the right jaw, pain in the right side of the chest, pain radiating to the right arm, pain radiating to the back. These are, and this happens in diabetics. Or no pain, just a sensation as if a ball is lodged in the cardiac end of the stomach. Mm. These vague sensations are just choking. Mm. And we have got fantastic medicines. I mean, from the snake kingdom, that is Naja or Lachesis, or for that matter, Carbovage. So many medicines are there. I mean, it's difficult to name. And they give results in minutes. And that's the reason why you could open a hospital in homeopathy. See, it takes courage. Mm -hmm. You cannot, it's very easy to give in routine practice, in OPT practice, but the patient is in front of you. And at that time, if you can't treat the patient with your drugs, homeopathic drugs, then it becomes a very difficult situation. But luckily, homeopathy has always obliged us. And uh, each, uh, it is, it's a, I mean, patients are there and they get well. And I don't so, have to keep the patients for three, two, four, five, six, six days, two, three days, and they're well. And we have got evidence, eco, echocardiogram is there, angiogram is there. All the modern investigations are there to prove that drug, drug is active. So you actually have a homeopathic hospital with all yeah. the uh, ECG and, uh, yeah, and angiograms yeah, yeah. and mid and and all that equipment there, and you're able yeah. to treat them there on the spot, and you have all the graphs that show you before yes. the remedy and after remedy. Yeah. Wow. So then, what has happened is now uh, it took us about a ten years or so, a decade or so, but now the my friends, my allopathic colleagues, they call me. Adil, please, can, we have a patient of uh, congestive cardiac failure. Do you have something on homeopathy? And officially, you have to write the remedy. You can't just uh, give it the, give them from your end. They will buy it from a store. So it is in their records. That is so Sorry. cool. Is that is that all self funded or is that government funded or how how do you how do you do that? Because that would be no, a... self funded. Self funded. Wow. Because no. those machines would cost a lot to to purchase and to set it all up and have the hospital beds and everything. I can just imagine the logistics of getting that going would be huge. But then no, like uh, we have already established hospital. Uh, my mother is a gynecologist and an obstetrician, I told you, and my father is a cancer specialist. So they need to admit patients. So it was already there. Now okay. I have increased it further. Oh, beautiful. So then this is the first second. Third is congestive cardiac failures, heart failures. So acute heart failure and chronic heart failures. So chronic heart failures lead a little uh, lead a very miserable life. I remember a case very early in my practice. Times of India is a very, very renowned uh, newspaper. And uh, I got a call at 9, 9 p.m. by one of the very famous cardiologists of Nagpur. And he said, Adil, uh, could you come around uh, in ICU? I said, what? Like, I'm not attached to the hospital and how can you call me? No, no but you are the only person uh, I know who can treat heart patients. I said, okay, fine. So this gentleman was an 83 years old man and uh, he was gasping. Uh, he had come for a marriage from Mumbai to Nagpur for a marriage ceremony. And uh, he got a chest pain. He was admitted in a very, very prestigious 
multi-speciality hospital in uh, Nagpur. And uh, his pumping capacity was only 10%, one zero. The normal is 80%, eight zero. And uh, they were giving, both his hands were uh, fully, I mean, uh, one IV here, one IV drug here, and he was bad. So this gentleman, this doctor, this intensivist, cardiologist, he suggested that, see, allopathy is not active. If you want to try something else, so you can try. And uh, so this gentleman, this uh, uh, patient's son, he himself is a very senior executive. He asked, uh, what should I try? Okay, you can try homeopathy. This new uh, uh, boy has come up. He's, he claims to practice homeopathy in cardiology. <laughs> you can just ask him if he can do some something, some miracles or something. And Nagpur is basically a relatively a very smaller city as compared to Mumbai. Mumbai is a huge metropolis. So this gentleman wanted his father, I want to take him to Mumbai. Anyhow, I want to take him to Mumbai. Sir, it's not possible. Your father is not in condition to travel from place A to place B. Settle him down. But see, your allopathy medicine is not acting. So then he came to me at 9, 9.30 p.m. And he said, uh, doctor, I've been sent to you. Could you come and have a look at my father? I said, yeah. If you're, So I went there. I saw him. His blood pressure was very low. It was only uh, 80 systolic. And uh, he was not good. And ejection fraction obviously was permanent. So he was gasping on oxygen and all. And they were about to put him on ventilator. But then uh, uh, they wanted some bites by some time. I said, okay. So I wrote a prescription of Carbovich. Carbovich is a homeopathic uh, remedy. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, Carbovich uh, 1M, you give every half an hour. So, and then I said, well, whatever happens, tell me in the morning. It's, uh, Give me a call and then I'll come. Next day morning, uh, uh, no, by 10 o'clock he went, uh, he called me. Doctor, is the medicine correct? I said, yeah, why? It just costs 10 rupees. <laughs> it's very cheap. How can cheap medicines act? I said, please, this is the correct price of the medicine. It's just 10 rupees. <laughs> Not even half a dollar. <laughs> yeah. It is the correct medicine. Please give it. So, and please tell me in the morning, whatever happens. His phone did not come. Neither the office, uh, the hospital called me. I said, this man must have passed away. Like, it's mm-hmm. totally negative. Mm-hmm. But then I had this uh, urge to go and see what actually happened. I mean, this is something, because it was, my prestige was at stake. I was called first time, a young boy was called first time by an allopathic institute to treat an allopathic, uh, to treat a patient and that to a VIP patient. I mean, very, very, so I went there. And this man was having his breakfast. His oxygen was out. His BP wow. had come to 110.70 by oh. 2 a.m. at night. And this I'm talking about at 8.30 in the morning. So between 2 to 8, he was right. And he came and thanked me. I said, I don't want your money. I'm going to get paid for that. But I just want, since you are the editor of Times of India, I want this story without names. Don't mention my name. Just mention that such an incident occurred so that someone out there May take this cargo and save the life. Wow. <laughs> so just print it, publish it, wherever you want. That is the best thank you you can give it to. Mm. Oh, so Adil, that that's was, so amazing. What's one final message that you would like to share with our yeah. listeners today? Every form of healing have their own benefits, pros and cons. But the time has come that each one of us has to see our health first. And give natural therapies the first preference. And if they don't work, then go to the modern system of medicine. I know I'm not against any system. But yes, homeopathy has come a long way. 
from simple sneezings and cough and cold to cardiological cases, cancers, and loads of autoimmune diseases. Homeopathy is there not only to treat you in emergencies, in acute conditions, but chronic states and complications as well. So give homeopathy a chance. Thank you very much. Oh, I love it. Thank you, Adil. It was such a pleasure to chat with you today. I'd say what I've been smiling the whole time and tears running from my face as you're telling these stories and you have completely just reignited me and um, please keep keep in touch because what you're doing is absolutely amazing and thank you thank so you much so for your much. time. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye.